rpgmp3.com and the Gate Campers present a rise and fall adventure set in the world of Tropis. Make a regular donation of just $5 a month to get higher quality audio recordings released ahead of time. That's right, feed the zombies, monkeys and mutant pirates and you too could get higher quality audio. Listen to my voice. Listen to the songs spilled from my lips. Listen to the sagas told by old of the comings of the armored knights and the blood and the snows. Listen for a tale whose tune to be told. A tale as old as the skies, as old as the mother dragons, and as wise as the beasts of the woods. Listen. For the name of that tale is Betrayal, and it is the iron coin in the purse of those who desire above all things power. Listen, for it is a tale like a gem with many faces, many views, many forms. And the tale is now to begin. The blackness is comforting. Cora feels as if there is a great warmth flowing over her. Every sense is on fire. Her hearing is heightened beyond the point of perfection. A single pin drops in the middle of a great amphitheatre of those sitting in Pyronis, the capital of Maynet. She stands there with precision. She watches this silvery dart in the distance fall, where she is standing upon the edge, and the sound of it clattering upon the soft sands rings out with crystal clarity in her ears. It all is so vivid. It fades away, and she is standing upon a massive field of horses, wild horses, galloping in this way and that, while in the sky, the sun washes her in white. Birds fluttering past. And returning to blackness. An all-encompassing, yet oddly serene blackness, like the deepness of sleep. So quiet. So soothing. Take it away, Brie. Brie? So, I'm 
just am I awake or unconscious? You don't know. And it's just black. It's just blackness. Like you're floating in nothing. Every now and then in the distance you'll hear a sound from your childhood perhaps perhaps an old friend speaking or the smell of chicken roasting on the fire in your parents' cottage. You're kind of popping a lot. Are you knocking your mute button there? No. Okay. Can I move? You move. It's like moving through water, but there's no resistance. Um. Hmm? Uh, how does that make sense? Moving through water is sort of moving through resistance. Yes, that's what I said, but there is no resistance. Makes perfect sense. It's like zero gravity. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Um, sorry, I thought the call dropped. It made the call drop noise. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I assume it's... Oh, Natasha's left. Natasha is all sleepy. Uh, is there anything to go towards? Not at the moment, no. So I'm just going to hang out in the black then. Okay. Do you want to give us some description, perhaps? Maybe what what are Cora's thoughts, her feelings? Describe, please. This is weird. I don't like this. Can I wake up now? In the distance, you see flicker of torchlight, just hovering there in the darkness, looks far away, but you are sure you can approach it. Then I will go towards that. Mm -hmm. Does Cora feel anything as she's approaching the fire? Give us some more details and just uh, um, wait on what we're trying to encourage you to do is not just say, okay, she'll go towards that, but try to describe her going towards it. So maybe if she's going towards it with apprehension or I don't know. It, basically, the more details you give me, the more I have to work from. Um, she's going to go towards it because it's the only thing there. Mm -hmm. she's not actually gonna get close to it if she does get near it just stay on the edge of it okay and she moved through the darkness towards the light but towards the firelight you come to the realisation that it is not just a singular source but many sources held aloft by figures whose 
features are not at all revealed by the light they hold. They are just silhouettes holding burning brands. And they seem to surround something. Like a, a pyre with someone strapped to it. A woman whose head's bowed. Tears drifting down her cheeks. Um, she's going to go back into the blackness. It's better than that. You flee back into the darkness, the image fading away and then blinking out to nothing. You begin to become aware of something else. You are not alone in this darkness. There are other creatures, other souls. Some closer than others. It is like your mind draws a connection that it's like stars these other people and then simply that you are amongst the stars it is as if in drawing the conclusion your mind has made it so you are one star among billions spread out in celestial union you watch as if time is spun forwards some blink out, fade to nothing. Others burn brightly, drowning out those around them before they too fade to nothing. But all the whilst there are stars fading and flashing and dimming, others are being born. Some brighter, some dimmer, but all the while, lights are flashing in and out. Except you, you burn brightly as ever, in the middle of it all, the centre of the universe. She doesn't want to be the centre of anything, and if her thoughts control what's going on, she'd like to wake up now. You don't awake, but you do see a pit of darkness, a pit of this same comforting blackness, a hole in which you can flee into. No, she'll just stay where she is. You continue them burning brightly. you begin to hear on the edge of your vision a beating of a heart. <laughs> it is slow and powerful. You can see each individual beat sends shock waves through the galaxy. Each beat as if it is sensing out what else is there? Like a searchlight, looking at each of the stars in turn, investigating them, knowing them. It searches left and right, drawing closer and closer to you. 
I'll take the black hole now. You vanish away from the beating heart and the searchlight and feel strangely warm as if you were drawing next to a campfire. Yet the warmth is not the same with the camp as a dry heat. This is a moist organic heat. A warmth like that of having a, or having a body next to yours. You feel as if you have the comforting arm of a parent around you. Safe and secured. You feel as if here nothing can harm you and nothing ever will. And yet every fibre in your body feels electric. Feels infused. You feel so alive at this moment. As if all the fabric of the for all the fabric of existence is flowing through your veins. Cora doesn't trust it. She doesn't want to be here, but she doesn't want to be where she was either. And... I think being here is probably better than where she was, so she'll still stay there. As you stay there, you feel yourself embraced closer to this upper body. You become more aware of this upper body. It is like seeing a figure moving through a fog, drawing closer and closer, its details becoming more and more visible more and more known. It is a large figure you watch emerging through the fog, for you are no longer lying next to it. As she, again, as your mind moved, made the connection, so it became truth. This figure moving through the, the fog, it is gargantuan, upon four legs, wings spread out on, upon its back, and a tail curving around. His head is far above you, the silhouette of this draconic figure. But you do not feel truly threatened. For something tells you that this figure, this figure that approaches, was the same that lay next to you but moments ago. Um... Is it near? It's approaching for the darkness, well, for the fog. Currently, it's only a silhouette. Um, she'll wait for it to get there. It emerges through the fog. And as it approaches, it becomes more human, less different, less draconic. It appears like a woman wearing tan robes. Her hair is like that of sand and her eyes so soft, so soft. She has her arms open as if to embrace you. 
as a mother with a daughter. Cora will remain where she is and just watch her. The figure stays there, arms open wide to embrace. She seems saddened at your apprehension. Um, Hora will move to the side, sort of starting to circle around her, but not going very far, just to see what she does. The figure watches you. It's, it's our, its body stays in the same location, but its head just turns and watches you move. It seems the woman seems perhaps intrigued by you, not quite sure what to make of you as much as you are of her or it. Cora's gonna walk up to her and stand. Just outside of arm's reach. The figure is blurred. It's the best way I can describe it. Blurred as if as if she is made of light. Yet surely she is clearly physical. But it's as if she's made out of light and the light every now and then just shifts. As if she isn't quite in tune with her surroundings. And when she shifts, there is a very draconic nature about her again. But still there's this presence. This creature means you no harm. Or at least that's what it wants you to think. Whether or not as there is a reality to this, it's up to you to decide. Cora will wait patiently. The creature seems to no rush. Its arms do not tire, they do not move, but its whole chest raises and falls like an ordinary being. After a long, long while, Mm. Cora will say hello. There is a long pause, almost like a lag between you asking and she replying, or she hearing, I should say. The voice is heard in your mind, and it, it, the words actually appear elsewhere around you. They, 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 they literally just appear in the blackness. You hear them as you see them. You see them as you hear them. Her lips never move. Greetings. What are you? to you. Um, human? Human. That's all she answers. 
Did you want something? Why are you here? Where is here? Everywhere. More specifically, she says after a pause. Why have you come to Pentacan? So raw, so wild. You get the feeling that she's talking about you and not the land you're in. I don't want to answer that. Then don't. Okay. You shouldn't be here, then. This is not for you. Where should I be? Home. Where all the mortals wander. You should not be here. Between. The land of the dreams and the land of the waking. You should not be here between the two. You have no right to be here. And this is in such a dark and unhappy place. How do I get home? You can wake up by your own accord. I can, I can help you wake up, yes. But that is a choice you must make to take my help or not. I tried to wake up, but it didn't work. The woman shakes her head a little. What is your name? Cora pauses. She's suspicious. When isn't she suspicious? Why? I wish to know who I speak to. What's your name? The woman pauses for a moment, then nods her head, almost to herself, you think. There was a time when the dwarves, those little men who dwell beneath the earth, they named me Cloran Nafar. Born from Claran, my mother. Not the Claran you think of, another. Not the goddess that walks, but another. The dwarves named me so because amongst them in Kalag Cot is where I dwelt, where we all dwelt long ago. Before before the humans decided we were no longer happy companions with them. The woman's voice when she speaks is so filled with tangible sadness that you are so moved that the, the very air around you begins to rain with, it seems to rain to emulate the sadness.
Cora. I'm sorry about your home. Do not be sorry. It was before your time. Long. Mike, what the fuck? Yeah. That would be uh, people outside my <clears throat> outside my door. As I said, I was in the dorm. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine, mate. Um, An apparition of Vikings run past. In the <laughs> <laughs> I'll mute my mic. Yeah, thanks, mate. That was before your time. Long before your time. I do not hold a grudge against those who had no part in the play that occurred before. An unhappy play it may well be in. The actors, most of them have passed. They have returned into the ether from whence they came. I was not apologizing. It was empathy. Empathy. Yeah. Yes, perhaps. You must make a choice, little one. Soon. The woman takes a deep breath and slowly exhales. You have come to an unhappy place. Pentacan is not what he used to be. So peaceful. There was war and strife, yes, but not to the scale that has come. You had no right to come to our land. When I say such, I do not mean you specifically, but those who follow the fear cats, gods, these Vandos, these clan, these Unsando and Unsandi. You had no right to come here. This, Pentican. It is a place for the old things to lie. To exist in the twilight realms before all is forgotten. For you must understand, young Cora. We are approaching a time soon. There are no more of my kind. And I must say with sadness, that when the last one of us dies, I fear for a world in which there shall be no dragons. But that is what the fear crack brings. You, you speak of progress, of a light that is magic, without understanding. Magic is within you, young Cora, and that is the choice you must make soon. It is awakening in you. It is beginning to awaken from the moment you stepped foot in this land. Unwitting you have come to run and hide. I saw then as I watched you when you ran then, but as you've been running for a long time. Tell me, Cora, why do you run? What caused you to come to this unhappy place? I 
I no longer follow the theocrats. I no longer follow them. And I don't want this magic. If you got my family killed. How did your family die? They burned my mother because they said she had magic. They burned my whole family. Who did shout? I don't know. I was running away at the town. The theocrats men shout. It is that which we hold in common. Child, you in coming to this land, the magic will awaken in you. As it does in all who possess the power and come to this land, for it is a land, Pentacan, it is filled with the wonders of the old age. If I leave, will it go away? No. I'm sorry, child. Honestly, I am sorry. The choice you must soon make. Four paths what is the choose. choice? There are four paths you must choose. And as the woman's words say that, four ropes begin to appear out of the immaterium. One wraps around your wrist, but one on each, and one around each of your ankles. And you begin to you feel yourself uncomfortably pulled in each of the four directions. Not painfully, but uncomfortably so, like lightly tugged. There are four who will claim you here. The woman reaches out and touches one of the ropes attached to your wrist. It is a sad touch. It is not a touch that's taking pleasure at your torment. One of them is I. The other is my kin. He is known as Flander. You having an issue there, bro? You seem to be popping a lot. I think your mic might be a little bit loose in its um, holding. It's wireless. It can't be loose. (laughs) Okay. One of them is I, but the other is of my kin, Frandal. Then there are two in your party. One would turn your soul towards yourself, and the other would turn your soul to the world. What does that mean? It means that one would have you cast as he does, and the other would teach you what she knows, and in doing so reveal more about you than you may feel comfortable knowing. Both, all four are roads to this power you hold within. You will find comfort in any of them. Any except my kin, Flandal, do not use his path, child. For his is a path filled with far more strife than you will ever wish to encounter. For there is unhappiness in strength, and you have not the strength enough to make him happy. But child, there are those who call me the Mother Goddess. Mother Scale, Mother Dragon. 
I will not make you make this choice now. But understand, child, if you choose to seek me out, then you will find me, child. Come to me, and I shall be your mother until the stars themselves are eclipsed, and all the world is plunged into darkness that shall it now never escape. I shall give you eternity, child. I shall give you the future, a future so glorious for that. That is the only want for any mother. Do not choose now, child. Can I ask a question? You may. What would I learn from you? History. I will teach you the history of your people, of a time going back before mortal reckoning. I will teach you your powers, how to use them, to serve a greater good, a greater force than yourself. I will teach you, I will teach you how to be happy, but more than anything. More than all that, for you asked the simply wrong question, not what I teach you, but what can I give you? I can give you what they cannot. A family, child. For my family has many brothers and sisters. And we never hurt or betray one another. We are at one we are at peace. I will leave you now, child, for I must leave you in this dark place, for my very contact with you holds you to it, and you may never awake as we speak, and so to awake we must stop speaking. Goodbye, child, and know this. Even if you choose other than I, I will never cause harm to you. Goodbye, Cora. Goodbye. And the creature fades back into the fog and is gone. The ropes around your ankles. They tug a little more and vanish, and as the ones around your wrist, you feel yourself in darkness again. Yet the comfort is no longer there, now it feels just cold and comfortable. Like walking into a house so familiar, yet to find it changed. Like walking into a house you used to live in, to find a new occupier there. Or going back to a town you used to frequent, only to find that the shops have all changed. Can I wake up now? You see a pinpoint of light, like a doorway glowing in the distance. I walk towards it. 
as you move towards it, the world around you begins to feel less real. It crumbles away like pieces of a jigsaw removed before there is nothing. And you awake. And I'll hold it there just for a sec so I can tell my little brother that he shouldn't be playing basketball out the front when it's like 20 to midnight. I think he's gone back in now. Cool. Sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to take a quick swig of my drink because I'm like, after that scene. <sighs> Yay, cup of soup. Okay, when you awake, the first thing that comes to mind is that your two of your companions are standing over you, Jack and Roland. You find yourself back at camp, the warmth of the fire upon you. You conclude that Jack must have brought you back, but look and concern on Roland's face is so, what's the word, explicit, that you begin to worry yourself. But amongst all of that, there is something more profound. You feel as if, not that you're being watched, but that something, almost as if Pentacan itself, the land around you, is aware of you. Something far greater than you has become aware of you. Cora ignores that for now and looks at Roland. What? Finally, you're awake. I thought the void would claim you. How do you feel? Not finally? How, how long is it then? It's a very clearly daylight. She's asking Roland. I was just giving Roland the answer because, <laughs> well, he's not psychic. Ah. Well, he slept through the whole night, which, considering the spectacle over here, might have been for the best. You know, most people don't survive what you just went through, not unaided. Huh? What, what, what would happen? Well, you either accept what you are in the void, or you don't wake up. That's at least what, what I was told. Oh, oh, okay. It's, um, Roland glances up at Jacques, then looks down at Cora again. It's to do with the spark. The what? It's the inborn ability for magic. 
Mm, I see. So stairs very hard at the ground. <laughs> or a log or something since she's laying down. The log the log stares very intently back. Uh, Roland tilts her chin up so that log. she looks so she, so that she looks face to face at him. Cora fights it, but I'm really sure he's stronger than her. Yeah. Listen, he says, and rather firmly turns her chin up. Listen. I don't know what you've been taught about magic. I don't know what your experience is with it, but it's not evil, okay? You're not going to turn into some monster. You're not going to... You're not going to suddenly be a completely different person from who you thought you were yesterday. But you have to learn to control it, or you will die. Cora flinches back from Roland as much as she can with his grip on her. <laughs> Danny! What? <laughs> I um, changed um, Cora's token into a random monster and renamed her some monster. I, uh, um, I noticed. Wow. That's mean, Danny. That is so, so mean. I'll change it back as soon as I can find a token. Is that... What the hell is that? I think it's a harpy. It looks like a griffin. It might be a griffin. Wait, no, it's not. It's a harpy. <laughs> You're a hoppy. Gee, thanks, Alex. <laughs> I didn't know I was female. Uh, Dude, I didn't know you day. were male. You can't tell from this voice. I know. It's totally girly. Hey, we continue, guys. Sorry. I slept. <laughs> uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, shows. It's just so silly. Okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. All right, where were we? Getting some shoes. You're derailed. Very no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, she was flinching, and yeah. All right. Oh, right. Roland was yelling at her, not really, more like chastising her, mm-hmm. and she was flinching from him. She just stares defiantly, which is weird because she's not normally defiant. <laughs> yeah, he. Let's go of her chin. And, uh, and hands her some food. You need to eat. She looks like she's going to refuse, but then she takes it, starts eating very intently. Very pointedly, perhaps. 
Yes, pointedly as well. Excellent. <sighs> as uh, as Cora eats, Jack fumble. Oh, not fumbles, but but uh, fiddles <clears throat> with the map in his hand. While Cora slept, he had been busying himself looking for an alternative route across the uh, the new river, and has found a possible uh, found a possible ford. Mm. Jacques uh, scratches his head a bit, and then uh, do I make a survival roll? It's presumed you've already passed. It's presumed I already passed. Yep. He mumbles something along the lines of, "Maybe if we go." The idea was uh, that you, was that you've basically come to this conclusion whilst Cora was asleep, as I just said. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so we'll go a quarter way. Ah, uh, crap! I'm trying to think of the word. Here's a hint: it's not clicks. Not clicks. Yes, I know. <laughs> quarter mile. Quarter mile eastward, and then another mile north. We can go and uh, circumvent the uh, river, possibly. That worked, Danny, or no? That's fine. All right. I was just leaving it to you for you to freeform, basically. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> we could go and. Bypass the river by uh, going up a by going a quarter mile east and then a mile up north. And of course, we're going to need to go back west westward, and we'll reach the village that way. Sound good for everybody? Yeah. Cora doesn't say anything and keeps eating. I mean, you're the woodsman. Haven't gotten us killed yet. I would hope not. He glances at Emma, <laughs> then clears his throat awkwardly. Speaking of Emma, stares off into the distance because her player isn't here, as her player's mic is broken. <laughs> that was not my fault. <laughs> she is obviously tired and sleeping. What? I didn't say anything, Roland says, holding his hands up defensively. Anyway. <laughs> so we have another uh, magic user then? Looking at uh, Korra. I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you said. <laughs> so, so we have another magic user. Well, you seem awfully calm about the uh, about the idea. Aren't you going to light a torch, chase us away? Maybe we'll have a, a good old mob. <laughs> Jacques sighs a little bit with that remark, and it's like, 
Rowan, I didn't give a damn if you actually could cast magic. It was more that defense of my home. So back off. Fair point. And besides, after seeing a uh, directly for car, you guys telling me that you uh, the captain was a werewolf. <clears throat> and after seeing that uh, weird dragonoid thing, do you really think I'd be surprised that we have another uh, person throwing spells around? Well, no. I mean, I'm sure we'll find out that you're a fae in disguise and Emma over there is some sort of magical pixie thing. <laughs> exactly. Laughs. Emma mumbles in her sleep about not wanting to ride the pony. <laughs> apocalypse pony, apocalypse pony. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, robot chicken. My brain, it is raped. Jack. Oh my god. Yes. Cora? Is there a dragon in Claron with all? Excuse me? In Pentacant. Is there a dragon named Claron with all? Yes, there is. Uh, Actually, I, I, think to... it's, I think it's Claron Nathar, but. <clears throat> yes. Oh. Sorry. Do I have to go and do knowledge pentacan for oh, anything? No, no, Claranifar is fairly well known. Uh, yes, there is. The mother scale, yeah. Fled the uh, Pentagon, I believe. Bardic knowledge! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like I am a bard. <laughs> Uh, no, no, you're, you're, you have to remember you're not useless. <laughs> <laughs> My bird was not useless if you take a look at... Uh, it, 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 bards are under. useless by default, I'm sorry. Not when they have a 20 in charisma. Uh, anyway, Karen. <laughs> anyway, Karen, I beat yeah. your face. <laughs> Alright. Yes, so... Uh, the mother scale, she's the um, mother of all dragon kind, for the no. lack of a better hmm? No. No? Okay. Please, get, correct get, Yeah, get, get, chuck us the knowledge. Sorry, I thought, uh, I thought you had a character knew more than you do. No, I don't know much of the... Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 oh dear, no, you don't know much. Yeah, he finally rolled low! <laughs> All right. Well, I do have a couple of bennies. <laughs> Go now, I'm going to roll to see it. No. <laughs> Florana who? <laughs> Is that a cereal? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a little toy in a box. Oh. <laughs> it goes, pops up, and then breathes fire in your face. <laughs> that doesn't really exist, does it? Because it sounds like a lousy toy. <laughs> it's next to Tickle Me Helmo. <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you want to use a Benny, spend it now. Sure. I got some. Why not? Smoke Miley got him. Bra-ra. Reroll. 
Knowledge Pentagon. There we go. <laughs> Aced. Okay, yeah. I knew it wouldn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bree. Okay. Basically, Karan the Farmer is one of two dragon gods that rule over the Pentacani people. The first being Karan the Far, the second being um, Frandal. Karan the Far is known as the Mother Scale, and in fact, why am I just telling you this when I can just tell you this off the door document that everybody never read? Drop a swags. Door document. To. Pardon? You said don't bother to read the parts that don't apply to you. Yeah. Yeah. The words came out of your mouth, and then yeah. you bitched sorry. that no one read it. Sorry. I'm sorry! Yeah, words <laughs> do often come out of his mouth. Yes, and... We're, we're, trying, to get, we're trying to get that fixed. <laughs> oh, the dragon gods. Danny. Hmm? For, uh... The races of Cake Bell, Trap is Swexting. I don't actually have Claire and Nathal because there is no page, it just has XX. And no, no, that that's for the races, not for for not for the the law and shit. Of the dragon gods, there are Claranathar, Flandol, and other people which I won't mention. Unlike the old gods, the dragon gods are actually present in the world. So we're so basically the old gods are basically spiritual ideals. The dragon gods actually have a physical presence. Claran the Far is known as the Scale Mother. She looks down upon her tribes as her children and tries to nurture them towards a better world. Her ideology is that of the individual's right to freedom and choice. She does not abide slavery or imprisonment. She is slow to anger, but once her anger is riled, it is the fury of the sun. Um, Jack will know of instance where um, more civilized nations have got a bit uppity against Clarinafar, so she personally came along and burnt down a few villages. She burned... Took a little sheep, flossed, you know. Yeah, she burned and ate them. And the countryside, and the people, and the factory of cottages. And she ate some children. Yeah. It's for the greater good. <laughs> it tastes great chocolate. <laughs> Flando is the scale father. He looks upon his tribes with an odd mixture of pride and contempt. Pride for what they have become in just a few generations, but contempt at weaknesses he sees he still sees <coughs> His ideology is that only the strong have a right to life, and the weak all will ultimately bring about the downfall of their betters. Flandol is known to openly oppose, oppose Glacendia and her settlers. Okay, do you have any questions? Um Not that I can think of. Okay, uh, I'm just checking. Any questions you want to go and pick my brain? No, 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 it's fine. Basically, I'm right. just going to go and I'm just double checking because uh, I know there is some details in Glacendia, the city Glacendia, which obviously uh, Jacques will know bits about. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, this is also known to you in relation to the dragons. After securing Glacendia and the Redwood Coast, the settlers were surprised to find representatives of many smaller tribes at their gates. These tribes wish to ally themselves with the settlers. Too small to oppose draconic influences, these tribes otherwise had no love for the dragon gods and were welcomed with open arms. So it's important to note that not all tribes are ruled by the dragon gods, and some are ruled only because they see that having no other choice. Mm-hmm. With such an initial vote of confidence from the small tribes, it became essential for the dra- draconic tribes to consider Glacendia as a new power base in Pentacan. A Drakifakar representing Frandol 
was the first to arrive with a declaration that no peace would exist with while slaves of theocracy slept on Pentacani soil. Meanwhile, a year later, a Drekivakar sworn to Claran Lafar tried to seek counsel with the governors of Clasendia, but with regular violence existing between the Frandali, she was, was refused. Um, there is, it's, it's kind of well known that basically um, since then, a Drekivakar assumed to be the same Drekivakar has resided in a coastal cave waiting for basically the governors of Glacendia to see her. There have been a number of attempts to prove her, all of which have failed violently, and there is currently a 100, 100 gold bounty on her head. On whose head? Uh, the Drekivakar. That's the one sworn to uh, Claren Nepa yes, that came up. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just... You okay, Alex? Yeah, I was just saying goodnight to my uh, parents. Oh, okay. Right. Um, sorry, what did I miss? I missed maybe the last Lord, two minutes. Lord, Lord, Lord Rop. Okay, well, I wouldn't know that anyway, so... Okay, th- there we are. Any further questions? Um, do I know if any of her, uh, of her, uh, the tribes following her are around this area? No. Um, currently you're in Glacendian territory, bordering mm-hmm. Frandali territory to the northwest. Okay. Claranfar territory is further north. Alrighty. Well, okay, that's it for me. Northeast. Okay, so um, uh, I believe Free just asked, "Is um, is there a dragon named Claranfar?" And what yes, she found, there is. Do you believe? It would be hilarious if Jacques had failed and Roland succeeded. <laughs> so Jacques went, "You know, I'm not sure." I'm not sure. I've been too busy uh, not dying from said uh, tribes that I'd never really cared to know what their god <laughs> names were. <laughs> okay, anyway, Bree asks, well, well, Cora asks, what, what, what did Cora ask, Bree? Cora asked if there was a dragon named Cora in the thumb. Yes, Cora, there is one. Her tribes are past uh, Arando's uh, lands. Um, what? Why do you ask? Well, I was wondering if she was um nice isn't really a good word, but benevolent. Like... Gentle. Um, maybe not mean. You're not being very specific. Um, she has a very, very good temper. One thing, but... one thing I will say here, Mike, is yes. that whilst, yes, it's been established that you've basically become a bit sort of favorable towards the old gods, you are still a mm-hmm. civilized member of Cake, and to you, you have been brought mm-hmm. up to much like magic, but even more so. Dragons are evil, monstrous things that will burn villages, and yeah. 
Dragon's right, a troll, right. basically. Yeah, I keep forget keep forgetting about that little tidbit with uh, Pop always uh, studying Pentacat, you know. Mm-hmm. Alright, um Don't know how much you can trust this information since that came from uh, Theocracy. She goes, comes to villages, raids their sheep, and uh, eats their children. Dips them in chocolate for a good measure. Mike, it's not so... Uh, sorry, this this is my fault, not getting it across properly. Basically, not every tidbit of information comes from the theocracy. It's not like an official fear of critical handbook on evil things that dragons do. It's basically common knowledge that you do, that basically dragons will eat shit. You know, you know how basically in D&D, how everybody knows red dragons are evil? Yeah. And how nobody ever disputes this. And nobody really but, knows where it first came from, that idea. Yeah. It's just sort of bashed into people's heads. And it's entirely true, right. it's not doubted. Dragons are evil. Okay. Dragons burn and ate the countryside, and the people in the factory of cottages. Okay, okay. Well, of course dragons are evil. They go and eat up your children and then dip them in chocolate. I hate you. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> And what the hell is chocolate? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, does Trophus have chocolate? Nope. No. Okay. In that case, what the hell is chocolate? They would. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we go like that when we can't explain something. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, they would. <laughs> Actually, that would be really awesome if uh, Pentakin could be like the sweets with their chocolate. <laughs> no, there's no chocolate in cake. It's too nice. Aww. <laughs> Chuckle will save the world. Too bad it's not in cake. Yeah. Maybe there's a nice, pleasant place in cake where there's like all the nice things and, and it's not cake. <laughs> anyway. You know, the, the closest cake comes to nice things is the fact that the name sounds remotely like cake. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Which we all know is a lie. Yeah. Because of the pie. Mm-hmm. Cora, you anyway, feeling continue. any better? Yes, continuing. Um, what? Are you feeling any better? Do you feel drained? How does Cora feel, Mr. GM? Like she's not slept for a few nights now. She she feels incredibly stressed. Danny. Hmm? Text message on map tools for you in two seconds. Okay. Hold me one moment. Um, while, while my assistant campaign coordinator sends me a very important message. game is important to us, please stand by. Your GM would like you to know that dice rolls performed in his absence will not be counted. Long bathroom breaks have been shown as an effective way of building anticipation in a role-playing game. 
Apparently, she feels like the world is desaturated. <laughs> is that right, Alex? Uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the one that wrote, she feels like the world is desaturated. Do you know what desaturated is, Danny? No. It's when it... It's basically drained of all the color. Mm. Uh, that, that, see, that's what I get for using normal English. <laughs> uh, the world's all like gray and shit. I'll say next time. But, yeah, like the word's got five fucking syllables. <laughs> Why? <did> you... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was a there was a the fucking letter <laughs> count. It's got five syllables. I'm not going to understand any word with five bloody syllables in it. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Small anyway. words, Alex. Small words. Anyway, I, I, I'll. You know what a syllable is and how to count them. Indeed. Uh, I, I don't. Saturated. <laughs> Easy. Anyway, I count them with yes. fingers. Um, I'll take over. For Alex Danny will describe this point as a, as a silly moment. Uh, Cora basically feels like. Uh, like the world is dimmer and um, compared to how she felt the charged uh, electric and and uh, <laughs> what's the euphoric um, feeling she had when she was in the void now it's the opposite the world is dull gray and and listless shit shoot Poop shoot. That means I'm done. Fine. There you have it. Ouch. Any questions, Embry? No, Cora says I'm fine. Ouch. All right. All right. Um, Jacques uh, gets up and Tears down the, uh, douses the fire and says, let's get moving. All right. Have they already packed the shit? Sometime later, after the packing of shit has occurred, their party is once again on the move. All right. Roland throws Carolyn over his shoulder. The going is get... slow. The way is oh. worn. Oh, uh, can I be given ownership of uh, Carolyn and Jacques can take care of Emma that way? Or you could just move us, actually. Never mind. Actually, where did I come from? We just do this. Oh my god, we're in a field. Dear Christ. It's a fey field. No, not the fey. See, how simple is that? The fey are always trying to drive Roland insane. It's not fun. The going is hard. You follow the directions <laughs> by Jack to reach this possible ford, and you find it there without too much issue. Thankfully, as Jack proficiently read off the map, the, the, the ground raised a little, creating a natural ford, slowing the river, allowing you to cross. It isn't long into the crossing that you encounter a crow standing upon an armoured gauntlet sticking out of the, out of the snow. 
the rest of its body is nowhere to be seen, but it's sticking out of the snow as if, or as if the rest of it's buried. Well, I say snow, but because I'm a, mum, a monkey and the first snows haven't yet fallen. Excuse me, while well, I slap myself. Ow. Out of the frost-bitten ground. The earth here has been disturbed, and you can see an armoured gauntlet sticking out of the frost-bitten ground. What? A frost-bitten gauntlet. No? Sticking out of the frost-bitten ground. Basically, out of the ground, a disturbed earth of the ground, there is an armoured gauntlet. Sticking up out like the guy was like reaching out. Oh dear. Was was this guy buried alive? Quite possibly. You wanna go? Shall we continue on or actually go unbury him and see what was up? Well, everyone is up and about, so I guess a short delay wouldn't wouldn't really hurt. No. Although, right. not, if not for anything else, we should at least give him a proper burial. No, it's sort of left like this. Aye. All right, so we're taking a brief stop to go and uh, unearth the man, unearth the poor man, and probably rebury him. After we check his pockets. Yes. <laughs> After we loot him a little bit. Though not in character. <laughs> in character, we just happen upon his stuff. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Okay. What is Cora doing while they're digging the body up? Cora, which I was going to say, but I didn't want to be interrupty, has been trailing behind the group the whole time. She's not actually on point. Um, and she just stands behind everybody. And looks lost in thought. Um, the player also would like to know if Carolyn and Emma are conscious or being carried again. Uh, they're, they're, they're conscious, we'll say. They're just not interacting unless it becomes really necessary. Okay. Uh, Mike, what have you just done? Mm-hmm. Um, my... Thing just said I had four bennies left when I didn't, so... Okay. That's it. That's fine. Alright, we unearthed the body. What do we find? <laughs> you find... The... It takes a while for the armoured figure to be unearthed to a point. His, it is a knight. His armor is rent and torn beyond use. It looks like it looks like it's melted in places and it is warped, opened up. It honestly looks as if it's been hit by some force beyond nature. In many places, like he's endured so much impact and conflict, and it's just horrid to look upon. Here and there in places you can see actually see parts of bone that's been shattered by whatever impact tore part tore say his his grieve and it shows through in the opening gash. Judging from the condition of his body, he's been dead a long time. His visor is down, prohibiting any 
kind of recognition or identification, yet from the... Can I have a common knowledge from everybody, please? Sure. Common knowledge. Ten. Woo! Aced. This man is dead. Uh-huh. Fail, Jack. Fail. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm failing on the stupid rolls. Mm. Hey, this okay. guy is dead. Fail, Bree. Oh, no, you passed. In the wild die. Stupid wild die. Being wild. Mm-hmm. Wild. Okay. So those, so those that are passed are Alex and Cora. You can tell, judging from the um, embossing, embossment on this man's battered breastplate, that he was once a member of the Knights of the Red Rose. My God, I hope this is Moss. <laughs> Did Rowan actually say that? Did Roland actually say that? <laughs> I'm considering it. Do it. Do it. No, no. I'm sorry. Moss went out like a hero, delivering the killing blow to the Shred Eye. I'm going to let him have that. He will, however, <clears throat> before, <laughs> after having bitten down something in a, in a quiet mutter, look to Carolyn. Carolyn is uninteractable because her player isn't here. And then he will look back at the body. The body's dead. Still. <laughs> I see a correlation here. I'll know soon. No, I'm just being random. Yeah. Uh, Ca- Carolyn will be quietly observing the body and will be walking around bored. I see. Roland. So... Go ahead, this... Roland, Carolyn says. It is the yeah. same order as Moss. I know. Wait, was Moss in, a, in the order of the Red Rose? He was a Red Rose. Oh, okay. Witch hunter, ironically. Not that he did much hunting of witches. More hunting yeah. NPCs. My NPCs. Like Inga! Uh, more hunting of Poontang. That's failed, though. Anyway. <sighs> Uh, he will try and lift up the visor. Um, it takes some resistance. It takes a... well. It's a, sorry, start again. <clears throat> the visor offers some resistance, but when it finally is slid up with the creaking of tortured metal, uh, unfortunately it would seem that Roland's silent wish mm-hmm. is all but true. The dead eyes of Moss greet him. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. How the hell did he end up here? Probably the same way you did. Yeah, but I ended up on a boat. No, you didn't. Correction, you ended up in a lake. Uh, sorry, well, we can't hear you, Bruce. Cora says, no, he didn't, while still looking at the ground. No, I guess you're right. No, no, Alex, you are, you, you have absolutely no idea. You started on the boat. <laughs> no, this... no. Hmm? Well, Actually... they did say I was fished out of the water. Oh, okay, so... sorry, I beg your pardon. That, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. No, I guess you're right on that. 
but me and Carolyn got lucky and I, I don't see why we were placed in different locations. What about Druce? No, Druce was okay. How do you know? I was told by a mutual friend. Jaronoff? Alexia? They're gone. Demetria? All gone. <sighs> well. Wait, was he from Pentacan? He must. Yeah. No, but he had. You distinctly remember him having a tattoo of the bear colt, the Pentacani bear colt, on his on his arm. All right. Well, we should lay him to rest. <clears throat> All right. Out of curiosity, does he have a sword with him? No. Nor does he have a shield with a, with a pink heart on it. <laughs> the girl no, seriously, he did. He, that was his shield because he got cursed with it by the faking. Mm, even if he threw it, it like walked back to the, his hand. I thought the mental wave cursed him with it. It might be the mental wave. Enough to speak the truth. No, it wasn't might. It actually was the mental wave. She was like, here you go, snuffykins. <laughs> Smoochy boochies, bitch! And he was like, ah, But it's so gay! <laughs> and she was like, Yep, just like you! <laughs> and then she fucked off. Can I have a notice check from Ronan, please? Sure. Yeah. Passed. Okay. As... You look down upon the body. You notice that his lower legs, the roots of the tree that he lies beneath, they seem to have almost grown through him. He seems to be as part of this tree as the tree itself. And more sickening, you notice that where the arm has been rent and torn, where the flesh and bone can be seen beneath, the roots of the tree can be seen there too. And looking upon this very same tree, one sec. And looking upon this very same tree, you cannot help but see similarities to a fey woman you saw at the court of young Kadaf many, many, many times ago. The one that led you first from the dreamlands after Gandalf's initial di disappearance after the black-hearted oak was finally felled. The woman who declared herself the mentor wife. So the tree looks like her? Yes. And its roots fun. are literally going into and combining with Moss's body. Oh dear, character dilemma. I think as long as he's stuck here, 
he's trapped. We had a friend with us. Me and Carolyn, that is. Roland says as he uh, looks at uh, the, uh, the three newest members of the group. We um, got trapped in the Dreamlands. You might want to tell them what the Dreamlands are. And the Dreamlands are a realm beyond this one. Where we, where dreams aren't just, they aren't just an illusion. It's both wonderful and horrible at the same time. It's hard to describe. I don't want to know this, Cora says very quietly. She's still staring at the ground. Well, I knew a man, a Druce. He was a good man. And he was, he was a Fae. He was from this dreamland. And when I traveled with him, I saw his true form. And it was a tree. Was it a um, mm. a willow? No. Yes, a weeping willow. It was. I'm very certain of it. I think that unless we cut Moss loose, he'll be trapped in the dreamlands too. Although, at the same time. I'm not sure that he wants us to, or even that we could, or what would happen if we would. So I'm leaving the choice up to you. Mm. <clears throat> Seems like you had a very unfortunate time in the <clears throat> time in those lands. Well. Moss was more unfortunate, or rather his bravado got him into trouble. He um, ended up pissing off creatures beyond imagining, and they cursed him for it with magic, um... with magic that, well, I can't even see the the uh, the high mages of Dominos rival that. Mm. Well, let's not piss off things that are far more powerful than us, shall we? Oh no, the tree's moving. I'm freaking out, man. I'm not even high on shrooms. Quiet. <laughs> Are you trying to? Oh, uh, there we go. I get what you were trying to do now. Danny, you're giving me like decision, Naya. I'm like, 
Oh my god. Damn. Morality is gray. <laughs> I say we just dig him a, a relative a bit more of a deeper hole and uh, give him proper rights. Yeah. I hope he finds some peace. I don't even Okay, so you're going to bury him again, then? But bit, bury him a bit neater? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not cutting him loose? No. So you're going to leave him here attached to the tree? Yes. Cursed for all time to wander the dreamlands with his pretty wife, yes! Okay. You do it's so. Insane wife. What I would like, however, is I would like a favour from you, Alex. If you hold okay. up Hover over the moss token. I would like you to read out what it says underneath his name. Revenge for Inga, you bastard. Thank you. That is all. <laughs> I told him I'd get my revenge eventually. So you <laughs> had the mentor wife murder him and tie him to her for all eternity? Yeah. Uh, I guess that's fair. <laughs> he killed Inga. Well, I can think of things he did that were worse, but sure, that was that ranks pretty high. <laughs> I actually don't think the mentor wife would have murdered. It, it, well, that, that's not. That's quite what how Roland. It that's what. That's what. Yeah, that's what Roland just pointed out. He isn't quite dead, as dead as he appears. Mm-hmm. His body will become a tree, like. Moss. Exactly as Alex it, is saying. No, that's uh, Druces. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, basically, Moss is. I can quite happily tell you this. It's not exactly plot specific. Basically, Moss is what the Fae refer to as dead and dreaming. Basically, he no longer has a life in the real world. His his mind is his mind was in the dreamlands when he died, physically. So he no longer has a life in the dream in the real world. He can no longer return to the real world. He is basically trapped in the dreamlands for all time. Mm-hmm. So the fa- basically the, the mentor wife has drawn him into the dreamlands, and essentially, whether or not she killed his physical body, he, she's basically trapped him there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, uh, bizarrely, she might have saved him. Or she might have saved him, but I won't be revealing anything to that nature. It's entirely up to the listeners and you guys to decide what happened. I like to. Well, I think Roland likes Boy. to think that she <laughs> had a like change of heart and went, "No, Moss, I will save you, even though you're a murderous bastard. <laughs> I will tie you to me forever. We can go for picnics and have exploding toffees, and it'll be lovely." You know, for Moss, it's actually going to be one hell of a curse. I know he'll be like. Uh, I need to get out of here. So it will sound less like I haven't killed something in five minutes. Uh, except, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. This is what oh, like here, I let you kill these children. <laughs> they know the shit we're joking about. They know what we had to go through. Yeah. Uh, for for the re- reference for those listeners who don't know, I like I, I like um, Scaly uh, Moss's character uh, Moss's character Moss's player. But the character Moss was such a fucking douchebag. Yeah, I I want to argue, but I'm sorry, people, I can't. Um, Jeremy, 
Scaly. He's fine. His, his characters drive me up the bend. They seem to always, like, get everyone else in trouble and then blame it on everyone else. And it's <laughs> just confusing. And Jeremy, you're a fine guy. It's not a problem with you. It's just not that... It's just that Moss was such a dick. <laughs> you make me sad. Yeah, that's true. I, mm. I guess. Certainly wasn't Spice a dull moment. <laughs> no, certainly wasn't. Uh, anyway, mm. yeah, big wish all sort. All right, so they rebury him mm-hmm. with a little more uh, dignity. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say any words over his grave? No. Well, yes, but I can't think of the main character. Um, I already... Well, Roland already knows he won't uh, pass into uh, the thingy. The, the, road, the road of thingy. Mm-hmm. And then walk to Sandy's throne and stand before him in judgment and all that. So whatever afterlife there is for everyone else, he knows he isn't part of it, so he'll just say, good luck. Say hi to Druce. Okay, before we move on, um, just for you, basically, um, this is more for Bree and Mike. If you actually have a look on Mac Tools at the moment, the token, I've used, token image I've used for Emma is actually Inga's token. Mm-hmm. Just, just an amusing little sort of bit of a tidbit there. Nothing, nothing significant to it. Um, right. right. Maybe we should um, get going. Okay. I'm getting nostalgic. Okay, guys. You continue onwards, following the map's instructions until you reach. Now, I need a little help here. Was it uh, Vita Fala you're going to, or Roger Blaker? Uh, Let me go look at my notes. Which one was the fort? Steingat Gator you couldn't get to. Uh, there was a closest village. It was Vitafala. Vitafala. Oh, okay. Vita 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 it's a good thing you, you, you know, because yeah. I'm just like rolling with it here. Mm. Likewise. <laughs> okay. You follow um, Jacques' instructions to reach Vitafala. Um, yeah. Can we have a pee break since we're... I think we're pretty much at episode's end anyway. Do you guys want it then? I'm perfectly good for another hour if you want. I don't think it's wise continuing at this point. I think uh, whilst I'm not super, super grumpy, I just, my head's not in it tonight. Okay. okay. I, think is, I think I'm a bit getting late. It's getting light. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, I've just not been on top form. Okay, that's fine. So well, at least we got you to the village, and I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm not sure what it is. I'm just I'm a lot more tired tonight than I am usual. 